0: section forty seven of mrs diamond this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. mrs diamond by anne isabella Thackeray richie book four chapter thirteen caron fear no more the heat of the sun nor the furious winters rages thou thy worldly task hast done home art gone and ta'en thy wages we must refer those of our readers who take any interest in the subsequent adventures of max and his contemporaries to the pages of the daily velesopide for some account of those days which followed susy's departure from paris marnie's eloquent pen dipped in dynamite and gunpowder flashing with flame and sensation became remarked beyond the rest and brought readers by hundreds to his paper he was everywhere saw everything so graphic were his descriptions so minute so full of enthusiasm that it was impossible for more experienced newspaper readers than susie to say how much he wrote from his own observation or what hearsay legends he translated into his own language which whatever its merits or demerits did not lack in vividness susy scanned the columns day by day with anxious eyes for more and more news she found so much that she was almost bewildered by it and scarcely knew what to believe as for direct intelligence of max scarcely any came to her though madame sent letters from time to time from her farm at avignon but madame's letters chiefly described her olive trees her cow her pig her eggs and her tomatoes max delayed he did not rejoin her as she had hoped he might have done he let her to do it all to engage the man to contract with the hotels for her eggs and butter susy wrote madame from time to time telling her about little Phraisie and the two boys who were doing so well in their school in one letter susie also described a domestic event of which the news had reached tarndale soon after her return from paris uncle peregrine balsover had died suddenly from the effects of a snake-bite he had left no will but charlie became undisputed heir to the bolsover estates and uncle bol now transferred to him the allowance which peregrine had hitherto enjoyed but this news did not interest madame du pare in the least the price of butter had fallen and her mind was preoccupied by more present contingencies as the events multiplied in france as the storms raged more and more fiercely those who had remained hoping to stem the waves felt every day more helpless the sea was too rough the evil blasts too high what voice could be heard what orders could prevail captains and leaders were powerless now for the first time caron lost courage and confidence the murder of the hostages seemed like a death-blow to the dear old man who could not believe in the wickedness of men whom he had trusted and loved with all his threescore years during which he himself though he did not know it had been as a hostage for good and for truth among the irrational and ignorant people he moped his blue eyes were dim his steps were slow Max hardly recognized him. One day when he met him coming out of his own doorway in the Rue de Bac, he was carrying some letters to a post office hard by. He seemed glad to take Duparc's strong arm i am tired i feel ill he said i feel disgraced and utterly ashamed this is no liberty no republic any more this is tyranny monstrous wickedness these crimes of the brutal ignorant have only the excuse of ignorance if i if others before me had done our simplest duty in life such blank ignorance would not now exist max felt his heart sore for his old friend he himself had hoped less of his fellow-creatures he was more angry and less crushed than Caron. if these brutes had listened to your teaching, teaching he said trying to cheer him and to that of sensible men it might all have turned out differently they will still have to learn before they can cease to be brutes i have no more strength to teach said Caron. max do you know what i have left you all all my theories my failures my ineptitudes my realities mes chères vérité," he said you must make the best use you can of it all you can ask for the memoranda and papers i gave them to your friend la douce suzanne they will be for you and your children my dear son if you escape from this terrible catastrophe go to her i think that with her you will find happiness max greatly touched pressed his old friend's arm one can scarcely look forward he said from one hour to another but you have guessed rightly if happier times ever come for me they could only be with her caron's eyes lighted up that is well he said with a bright smile then giving him the letters i had been about to post them he said will you leave them for me they will be safer if they go by hand you have done me good he added i shall return home quietly max left him at the turn of the street is it chance is it solemn fatality by what name is one to call that flash of fate suddenly falling upon men as they journey on their way that lightning flash which falls without warning irrevocable undreamt of rending the veil of life for ever while caron turned slowly homewards to his quiet study where old madeleine was at work against his return a mad crowd had gathered in an adjoining street and was pursuing with cruel rage a wretched victim who flew along a narrow alley and came rushing across the pavement upon which caron was walking The victim, a gendarme, torn, wounded, bleeding in the temples, ran straight against Coran and fell helpless at his knees, pursued by the yelling mob. The old man seemed suddenly roused to a young man's strength of indignation and flung himself before the victim. Stop! he cried to the mob. What are you doing? I am Coran. You know me. Let this man pass. For a moment, startled by his voice, his fearless, commanding look, they hung back but out of the crowd a huge half-drunken communist came striding up and putting out his hand with a tipsy chuckle tried to pull forward the poor fainting wretch caron pulled an official scarf from his pocket and holding it up in his left hand struck the man in the face with it that man is drunk caron cried appealing to the crowd and you people you let yourselves be led by such as he the people looked at the scarf hesitated began to murmur and make way but the drunken leader still chuckling and stupid seized the miserable victim again let him go i tell you said caron it is the will of the people silence or i shoot you too cried the brute pulling out a pistol and aiming it at the fainting heap upon the pavement with the natural impulse of one so generous the old man sprang forward to turn the arm but he was too late The pistol went off and Caron fell back, silent indeed and forever. The murderer, half sobered, stood with his pistol, confronting them all as Caron had done a moment before and then began to back slowly. The crowd wavered and suddenly dispersed. Silence, cried the blasphemers to those who from generation to generation, by love, by work, by their very being, testified to the truth and the good man dies in his turn but the words of his life and the truth he tried to live live on there is neither speech nor language but their voices are heard among them their sound is gone out into all lands and their words into the ends of the world susanna was spared the shock of reading the news of caron's death in the paper Marny wrote to her telling her of the event as he had heard it simply and without the comments he afterwards added in print to the papers this was but an incident in those awful times the readers of m maxime Ducamp's eloquent and most terrible volumes will find many and many such noted there they will also find an episode curiously like one in which max du was according to the daily velocipede concerned and which happened upon the last of those terrible nights during which the flames raged and fought on the side of madness in furious might and irresponsibility was this the end of it all of the visions of that gentle old teacher of a gospel which was for him indeed but not for frenzied demons and desperate madmen thought max as he tried a short cut across the carousel round which the flames were leaping madly the gate into the tuileries by which he had come with susanna once was closed he had to turn back and fight his way along the crowds and the ramparts by the rue de rivoli again to the ministère de la marine whither he was bound some weeks before caron's influence had appointed max to some subordinate place under the commune in the ministère de la marine in his first natural fury and heart rent grief at his old friend's death duparc's impulse had been to wash his hands of the whole thing and the guilt and wicked confusion and to come away with the rest then came the remembrance of the lifelong lesson of forbearance and tenacity the strange sense which some men call honour only awoke that strange sense of secret duty that keeps men at their guns faithfully fighting for an unworthy cause in the front of an overwhelming force Was it also some feeling of honest trust in himself which impelled Caron's disciple to stand to his post? He remained, protesting shrewdly and intelligently, using every chance for right. He had been at the central committee just now to protest in vain against the destruction of the building where he had been left. He represented that it was full of sick people. The lower rooms were used as hospital wards. The sick people must be moved, yelled the chiefs, but the fiat had gone forth the versaillaises had reached the round point of the champs-elysees they should find paris a heap of charred remains before they entered her streets max got back through the wild saturnalia of the streets where dishevelled women were dancing round the flames and men yelling and drunken were howling out that the last day had come he reached the ministère at last to find that a band of officials with signed orders were deliberately smearing the walls and staircases with petroleum in readiness for firing while down below with infinite pains and delays the sick were being slowly moved from their shelter into the street in vain the communists swore and raged at the delay slowly and more slowly did the doctor and his nurses get through their arduous work max saw at a glance what was in their minds a hope that the delay might be long enough to save the place for the versailles were within a quarter of an hour's march and once they were there all danger would be over good god said the poor doctor in an undertone wiping his perspiring brow why don't they come on will they wait till doomsday max shrugged his shoulders as he stood looking on for a moment the band of incendiaries having finished their preliminary work had adjourned to a small room or office on the first floor where they sat gloomily drinking round a table and awaiting their summons and the news that the hospital wards were evacuated du pare passed on and climbed the stairs and went and stood upon a flat terrace on the roof from which he could see the heavens alight with the lurid glare of the flames now bursting from every side to the right the rue royale was burning to the left on the other side of the waters which repeated the flames the whole of the rue de Lille was in a blaze close at hand the offices of the finance were on fire while the tuileries were an ocean of flame at his feet was the place de la concorde silent deserted covered with wrecks with broken statues and monuments Beyond the Place de la Concorde lay the sombre green of the Champs-Élysées, showing here and there some faintly twinkling bivouac fire. Suddenly, as he looked, his brain reeled. Then he put his hands to his head, and tears came into his eyes and seemed to save him. The clock below struck the hour. For a moment he hesitated, then his resolution was taken. He made certain observations, and down the stairs by which he had come, hurried back when he reached the door of the room where the communists were still sitting he passed his fingers through his hair he tore open his shirt he had deliberately smeared his hands in some black cinders lying in a heap on the roof and with his fingers he now blackened his face and flinging violently open the door hurried in crying out the terrible password of those sad times we are betrayed we are betrayed the versailles are upon us they have surrounded us stop not that way i will lead you he cried as the men rose half scared half drunk looking for an exit follow me he cried flying up the stairs once more and followed by the gang and turning by the upper passages to the lofts and back garrets he left them suddenly promising to return then shutting a heavy door upon them he double locked them in when he hurried down to the ground floor he found that three wounded men only remained they were lying on the ground ready to be carried out you can take your time he said to the doctor the incendiaries are upstairs under lock and key the doctor immediately gave the word to his assistants and the wounded who had been carried out with infinite pain and patience were now brought back again and were lying in their usual places when the bereseyes marched in an hour later End of section forty-seven.